This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to episode 11 of the Practice of Learning Teams. On today's show, we are joined by Sam Goodman, the podcast host of the show The Hop Nerd and author of Safety Sucks. Sam shares his views on how to make safety suck less using learning teams in the final part of this two part series. In part two, we will explore organizational versus worker learning, incidental versus deliberate learning. We'll talk about worker critical reflection and about sweating the big stuff. At the end of the episode, I'll be joined by my fellow colleagues, Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson, where we will reflect on Sam's discussion. Learning happens regardless. I think the difference is whether a lot of learning happens at the moment incidentally by how people are being exposed to the hazards and risks every day and the nature of work versus learning that is deliberate, where we actually have a purpose and intent to learn. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the difference between the two worlds you're talking about. Yep. So the organization simply moving is simply saying learning from from um, incidental learning, not learning from incidents, but incidental learning, right. versus right. deliberate learning. Um, mm-hmm. And to deliberately learn, you need to have a framework that mm-hmm. identifies the opportunities for learning. Yeah. But 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 ultimately, and the and the work that we've been doing, which which I find fascinating, is that by by gathering that we call that business intelligence that's happening in the field every day, it allows the organisation to then want to be more curious and to learn. Mm. So the difference here is we should be encouraging that learning within the pockets of workers, allow that to happen, because that's all about the micro change that's going on. Makes sense. Have, have some way of being able to form some business intelligence from that that the organization can then see and the organization then has the ability to say, right, we want to know more. Come on the journey with us to understand more because yeah. uh, what the organization should be asking themselves, how do our, how do our systems support the learning opportunity? Mm. Because learning can happen at a worker level regardless. Yeah. At so. the moment, it's not it's not visible in successful work. It's only visible in unsuccessful work. Right, right, right. Obviously unsuccessful work. Let me throw that. Of, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, here's the irony. In successful work, if we celebrate that to a worker, we call that innovation. Yeah. <laughs> and in unsuccessful work, we call that blame yeah yeah now both are motivators in their own way you're motivating someone to make if i if i use the safety one language you're motivating someone through innovation to vary more often Mm. (laughs) make sense Mm. Yeah. yeah whereas at the other end you're trying to motivate them not to vary through through blame the, the reality is that variation has to exist. Yeah. 
So where do we find that opportunity for learning? Um, and, and, and to me, that, that's really like the, 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 the holy grail component is to try and do that. Sure. And um, I don't think the answer is in metrics. I think the answer is in having uh, conversations that can form part of the normal work process that can be uh, captured and can then be looked at. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. We, we've been doing some interesting things, you know, using word clouds is a really good example, where we, we simply ask the question, we, we, we might um, say, uh, you know, do a little six-week project with a team of people, and, and every day um, uh, during the last break of the day, they have a quick three minutes get-together in their work teams, and they simply ask, uh, where do we have to make do today? Hmm. And those words that the capture simply go into this word cloud. And at the end of that period of time, the team gets together and they look at the word cloud. And shockingly, Sam, what happens is the word cloud will highlight six or seven main things. Yeah. And then they'll have a chat about those six or seven main things. And then the organization learns a whole lot about those six or seven things. And, and what workers then begin to see, so two things, so two learnings, one. One is workers begin to critically reflect the fact that uh, workers imagine and workers done is different. And they can start to ask themselves, why is it different? Hmm. Therefore, they start to build that thinking frame. Organizations basically say, how, do, how can our systems support that variability? which is what Todd's talking about, that resilience and that adaptive component. Yeah. yeah. Because now things are becoming a little bit more visible. But of course, only sweat the big stuff. Don't sweat the, the small stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. the small stuff's always going to be there. Yeah. You know, I, make, I make bad choices every day, but I'm okay about it. Well, you know, yeah, me too. I make tons of them. We <laughs> 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 spend... To, to what we were even touched on before, I mean, we spend so much time organizationally focused on those little things, right? We, we too much time back to that point that we were kind of even driving towards that, you know, practitioners saying, well, where, where will I have the time? Well, it's, it's back to focusing on the things that actually matter. Yeah. Right. It's, it's back to focusing on the things that matter. I don't know. It just seems like uh, if, I, if I'm approached with two buckets of the shit that kills me and the shit that doesn't, I know which one I'm going to focus on. Yes. I'm 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 not going to spend time on on my my on my toe stubs and my my uh, scrapes and my little kind of basic stuff. I'm going to spend time focusing on the stuff that actually kills me, the stuff that matters, at least matters more. Yeah. Right. I, again, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that you know. Look, if if you've got like if you've got like this just this god awful pit that people have to navigate across to get into your job location, you should probably put a bridge across it. Yeah, for sure. That might make sense. I mean, you can for sure deal with that. Deal with that. I'm not saying not to deal with that stuff, um, but at the end of the day, it's it's to me, it always falls back to focusing on the stuff that matters and understanding that that those two, uh, you know, by by managing the little things, you're you're really having no impact on the larger things, right? It's it's breaking down that belief, right? We've we've maintained that belief organizationally, especially for a very long time, and within the safety profession, we've promoted that belief for a very long time that if you just take care of those small things right? Then you're not going to work your way up that pyramid, right? You're not going to work your way up to that dreaded fatality. If you just focus on taking, make, if you don't have any first aids, you'll be fine. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, we touched on earlier that um, we, we, we have lots of, we put lots of barriers and we put lots of mitigations, we put lots of controls. Um, I, I feel that they're currently being, they're being imbalanced between the prevention side versus response recovery. But, yeah. but even across both, um, a lot of them actually don't serve any purpose. They, they're fluff. Yeah. They're, they're, they're stuff that doesn't matter. But people say to me, well, well, how do we work out what stuff does and doesn't matter? So that that, that sort of led to us to develop um, um, that shit filter, okay? yeah. <laughs> which was to, to basically say, um, and it goes back to those core principles, and we ask ourselves, do these mitigations, are those mitigations about controlling how the hazard releases energy, or are those mitigations about trying to influence the person? Yeah. And the stuff that influences a person um, yeah. is is filtered out through the shit filter. Yeah, and that and that that's that's a that's an excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, and I think even with that, I, I find myself asking folks, "Well, okay, wait a second, hold on. Why are we doing this to the worker? Yeah. Right. Well, let's let's stop for a second. We're we're extracting safety up on the worker. We're doing this to the worker." let's talk about exactly kind of where you're going, right? Let's, let's talk about, <laughs> are we actually controlling the energy, right? Are we actually yeah. dealing with the hazard? Um, I, I don't know. That seems more important to me than, than, the, than a tick and flick check sheet. Uh, uh, that's just me. I don't think you can make me any more aware by adding another box to the check sheet, right? That's not going to make me any, <laughs> any more aware to the hazard or, more, or less likely well, to die. Uh, unless the check so. sheet has some property to it that stops energy mm -hmm. coming through it. I can wad it up and shove it in the end of the pipe. Yeah, is, yeah, absolutely. That might, that might be the answer. Unless, unless, unless I'm, you know, the piece of paper would come in handy in a steam generating station, and I can tape it to the end of a stick and walk with it to see if there's a steam leak in front of me. Yeah, right. That's maybe the only way that the check sheet's going to be a any value. So, so when, when we so, split those two things out, when we split those two things out, then we ask mm -hmm. some really interesting questions. We say to people, okay, so the stuff that doesn't matter. Okay, which is what you're using, because there's stuff influencing people, we then ask this really interesting question. Um, is it an action? Are we asking someone to do something? Yeah. Um, is it a process? Are we asking someone to follow something? Or is it a goal? Are we asking something to um, uh, focus on an outcome? And they look at me and saying, well, it's obvious. Well, no, it's not obvious. What, 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 what is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Because I'm quite happy with things that are action-based. I mean, if I know that, you know, I've got, a say, a big piece of machinery and it jams 10 times a day, I'm quite happy to know that when I open that gate, when I open that gate, that gate de-energizes that machine for me. Right. Okay, that's an action. I'm quite happy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't need to think about how it de-energizes de or why it de-energizes. All I need to know is that my action as I do this, I've got to clear the jam. I can be effective and efficient and it's going to work 100% of the time. The alternative is uh, before you open the gate, you've got to complete your uh, eight-step lockout tagout procedure. <laughs> you've got to get your padlock and you've got to fit it to it. Yeah. Now, I've got to clear this jam 10 <laughs> times a day. Okay, now you're asking me to be 100% reliable yeah. seven days a week, eight hours. It's a bad position to be in. 
Correct. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a horrible so, position to be in. You know, but how, you know, the crazy thing is, is that organizations do that every day. And I, th- they I think that, that, that's the more stunning happens. part to me, how often that's relied upon. Yeah. We, we rely upon uh, operators to be 100% right 100% of the time to make sure nothing goes wrong. And that just seem, it doesn't seem it, it absolutely is kind of as we we're saying that is just a horrible, horrible position to be in. That's that's a that's a horrible. Well, it's it's more position, horrible right? if it's a life changing event. Yeah, it's not it's not yeah. horrible if yeah. it's a tickle or a or a or a right. slut, like yeah. yeah. So I, I, so that's, I'm that's probably that's probably an okay place for that if it's going to just kind of reach out and give you a yeah. little. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I'm okay. Um, I mean, I, I said all the time, you, you walk in, particularly these um, office areas where um, you want to make yourself a coffee or a cup of tea and it's got the big sign, caution, hot water. I yep. mean, you know. I, I hope. Yeah, I, I mean, you know. You, you're probably I, I like me. You, you've, but... you've been in some of these places where hot water is not always a thing. So it's, I, <laughs> hope that it have, I hope that it has hot water in that trailer. <laughs> well, I, 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 I've, I've worked on the theory that if I'm having a hot drink, I expect the water to be hot. <laughs> right, right and right. and normally most taps are designed with a color and a direction um and, and when i get it wrong I, i'm okay that, that i feel some pain in getting it wrong because it's a reminder to me about focusing but to me i'm not no life is going to be lost because of that hot tap Right. So that's where we keep going back. Let's focus on stuff that really matters. So we've got stickies, stuff that kills you. But for that sticky, within that sticky, there have to be things that really matter within that sticky. And that's yeah. an evolution. And, and that's about having that richer conversation. And then yeah. once you understand the stuff that really matters, then, then from an organizational point of view, then that's where your metrics can come in. Yeah. To make sure it's you know, can be, for instance, how many times a day is the gate being activated? Yeah. Okay. Is that telling us that, that the machine, the tolerance of the machine is, is changing? You know, it makes sense. Yeah. So, that, so those metrics should, should be able to allow the organization to say there is a learning opportunity. There has been a shift from here to here in this period of time. That is a learning opportunity. Does that make sense? So absolutely, I'm good for metrics. I, I love a good metric, as long as it serves a purpose. And I don't know if people understand what purpose they actually serve. Well, yeah. So that to me, to me, that's a big piece of it. Um, coming from that world of of heavily metrics driven organizations, um, you just yeah, there, there's that delicate balance, right? When we get into incentivized metrics. And we're, we're talking about two little bit different things here, but same thing with that gate. I mean, if, if we put a financial incentive on that gate, not being activated so many times a day, it's just not going to get reported. <laughs> and if, if there's, if there's a means to, uh, to have it reported instantly digitally through a sensor or otherwise, right. We're going to find a way to work around that as well. Right? So if, if we're, if we have, if we incentivize the metric in a different direction, yeah. so to your point, I, I agree with you. I think, I think metrics can be absolutely valuable things if applied correctly. And I think that's probably the, the, the deeper conversation the organization has to have with themselves yeah. because currently with, again, if where, where we find ourselves applying metrics currently is under more traditional safety approaches. And we, we incentivize metrics around recordability rates. We incentivize metrics around basically just don't tell us stuff. Right. Right. 
we, we ultimately pay people to not report things to us a lot of times. But to me, that goes back to, we, we distinguish the difference between uh, um, metrics that are driven by a person versus metrics mm-hmm. driven by a system. Sure. So uh, we did a project recently where um, we installed some uh, camera technology and it's called telematics. And the, the camera never captured images. What the camera did was we painted lines around the machine on the camera. And we said that when when an object is detected passing this line, count. And what we wanted to know is we wanted to know when pe- how many people were working in what we called the high risk zones. Mm-hmm. And we also wanted to count how many people were clustering in these tight zones where there's people and plant moving. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't capture images. All it is, it simply counted for us. And, and what it does is it gathered intelligence to then work out what we had to do next. If I had given you a clipboard, <laughs> yeah. then what I'm doing is I'm yeah. creating the incentive on you. Does it make sense? Absolutely. And of course, you you are a camera, but your view is is filtered by your bias. The camera has no bias. It's freaking yeah. counting. And, and, and what the organization discovered was that it was creating pinch points during the day. Guess what the answer was? They simply altered some of the workflows to get rid of the pinch points. Yeah. That's what the metric told them. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that that's going to be the, the, the interesting conversation is the shift in view around metrics, because if you threw out the word metrics in the organizations I'm around, that is not what would come up. Right. So that, that would fall in for, for me, you know, around the definition that would fall in a lot of more around operational intelligence. Yes. Right. And when we, when we see this, this word of metrics, especially in, in my world, it's very much incentive driven, right? It's very much around things outcome, right? It's, right. it's outcome driven metrics. Just everything is lagging outcome driven metrics. Right. So I think we're to really, we're talking about two probably completely separate things, right? It's, it's, it's kind of, kind of where I would land on that conversation because there's kind of outcome driven incentive metrics are things that you should probably strip and burn out of your organization. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and it replaced them with the things that we're just now talking about, right. Getting to the point of saying, well, back to focusing on what matters, right. Let's focus on operational intelligence. Let's focus on that let's focus on things that will lead to learning opportunities. Let's figure out this bit or, or, or this bit and let's see how we examine that without it being some outcome-based driven metric, right? Which I think is, is a, a really interesting conversation organizations have to have because this is a piece that I think a lot of them, um, at least here, uh, in the, 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 the sectors that I found myself in that they struggle with because holy frick, do they like to measure stuff? Mm-hmm. That's all we like to do. Um, old school utility companies come up under this. Like we all get together, like utility, like we all get together as utility companies, like all of us. And then we collectively decide, decide what outcomes we all want to measure. So we can all be wrong at the same time. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the level that we go because it doesn't matter if we're wrong, as long as we're all wrong together. Right. It's kind of, kind of, the, kind of the way we approach it. Um, but so there's, there's a lot of there's, there's going to have to be a lot of discussion, I think around what better measurement looks like in an organization 
and it's definitely not on kind of the current outcome based side. I think it's where you're, where you're talking, I think it's on things that lead us into deeper learning. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Because, because the objective of the metric, um, is to find the opportunity for learning. So like everything else for us, the the data we collect, which is the metric, the data then determines Mm -hmm. conducting that learning team to now get context to it because the metrics by itself doesn't tell me anything it just says you know uh, it's no different i do a risk assessment and i've got exposure based on their exposure how many times a day okay well that doesn't not tell me the purpose of the exposure it just says exposure is happening so the learning team is what then gives people that um context to it and it's that context that basically gets rid of all those that assumptive base risk management, which is basically what I see is happening all the time, Sam. Everything's yeah. based on a whole series of assumptions. And if you want to improve risk, you actually have to reduce the uncertainty. Don't you find there's some irony that the risk management standard says to remove the uncertainty on objects? Okay, yet we don't focus on the uncertainty side of it. Um, uh, I, I was with this group this week. I, I made this you know crazy statement. I said... Only workers face the residual risk of your assessment. The organization doesn't face it. Only workers do. And that's because that residual risk is uncertainty. Yet what you're doing is you're throwing behavioral-based controls at uncertainty. Does that sound nuts? Right, exactly, exactly. Oh, geez. Because your controls that manage the hazard, they reduce uncertainty. They introduce certainty. The rest of it is what the person's faced with. And when when shit happens, the organization faces the liability of uncertainty. Workers face the harm of uncertainty in that way. Yeah. So hopefully today, Sam, we've, we've had a really good conversation about, well, I actually agree, the role of practitioner from a, from a safety sucks point of view is, is absolutely amazing. It, it is yeah. it's really important because that's the crux to it. Yeah. Because these are the people that are making lots of the decision making um, around that in that way. And how do we build their skills? And that, that's really going to be the unique opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, sadly, going on a training course won't change it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're having this um, recent conversation around um, uh, health and safety representatives, which for most Commonwealth countries are a legal requirement around worker engagement. And it goes back to what Glynis talked about in the book, that we're simply taking these people out of a polluted pond, uh, washing them down, giving them a shine, giving them some new um, skill, and throw them back into the pond. And wondering why they don't swim. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And part of what we're talking about is that we can't necessarily fix the pond. Okay. Because the pond, imagine that's the culture of the organization. What we can do is when we take the fish out of the pond, we give them a slightly different skin. We can give them a bit more of a skin that's a bit more resilient so that they understand um, why the pond is polluted. 
time, not go on a crusade of getting rid of the pollution because you'll never get there. So our whole thing is about how to build that resilience yeah. so that people can swim within the pollution and work out where they can make a difference, yeah. if that's useful. I like it, yeah. Yeah. Hey, ponds, fish. Yeah. You guys <laughs> probably get, is it carp? What do you guys fish for up your yeah, way? Yeah. Catfish? Is it... <laughs> Yeah, so let's just try to look at safety uh, through that slightly different lens as, we, as we're developing yeah. and, and go on. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, look, hey, thank you very much for your time today. No, happy, happy to do it. Absolutely happy to do it. Well, what a great podcast with Sam Goodman, the hop nerd, and of course his book, um, Safety Sucks. Um, I'm now joined by uh, Brent Robinson and Glenis McCarthy to hear their reflections on that two-part podcast series with Sam Goodman. So, Brent, what were your thoughts about that? Well, I think um, Sam made a really uh, good point about you know the safety practitioner and how they can get all these extra jobs within the organisation that doesn't necessarily have everything to do with safety. It can be around quality or compliance or insurance and those type of things. And I think, you know, that's, it's worth having that, worth having that discussion, um, you know, with organizations and leadership within organizations that we need to try and help pull them away from some of that stuff. That's not adding value to the safety program that we're trying to roll out within those organizations. So you know, I think yeah, really, it was a really interesting point. And obviously in the U S it's very similar to what we're experiencing here in Australia with some of the um, organisations that we deal with and some of the jobs that those guys, guys and girls get in that industry, in that space. So, yeah, I thought that was, that was, that was super interesting. Um, I was really interested to hear his view on how using learning teams can make safety suck less. And I think... Yeah, that was, I think, some positive reinforcement for learning teams, but also the way that um, we can introduce that and improve the whole conversation and participation we're having with people in different groups around the organisation. Yeah, and I, I kind of, to follow on from that, Brent, I think the, the thing that really resonated for me that, 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 um, that you know, Brent Sutton and, and Sam were really talking about is the absence of, of true learning opportunities. Um, and what should we be doing to try and redress, you know, that that trend? Um, certainly, again, I think learning teams is one of is a very effective tool to do that. Um, but really, as practitioners, we all need to be considering what opportunities are there for for, for um, reflection of learning. What can the workers take from that? What can the organisation take of that? Yeah, I, I mean that is really that's a super important valid point that we. Um, need to help, help organisations concentrate on because um, sometimes we just cut it off and there is no learning at all. And, you know, I think, you know, Sam and Brent have done some really good work about making that more obvious and that that learning outcome is, um, you know, one of the real values we get out of it. Really. And isn't it interesting to see the things that we all have in common, the things that we're really, you know, starting to think about, the areas that we struggle in as practitioners within the organisation um, the tools that we're starting to to use, the tools that we're starting to think, uh, are they giving us the value that we thought that they were? Um, it's really I, what I find fascinating with a lot of the podcasts 
is really hearing what we have in common. We might be yeah. in different parts of the world. We might be doing different things. We might be working in different contexts. But actually, as as practitioners, there's a lot that holds true for all of us, regardless of, of our environment. Yeah. And the other thing I, I got out of it as well is his passion and Brent's passion about it. So, you know, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it really adds value to the overall conversation we're having with everybody. Um, and, we, you know, we've just got to keep pushing it forward. And that was, that was a great way to talk about it. And I like the way Tam, Sam talks about it, making safety suck less because it's brave, right? And um, I think it's a great way to, to frame it that, you know, um, people don't, you know, it's not what you wake up in the morning thinking about safety and how do we make it more valuable for people and, and more in tune with what they're trying to get done. And I think that's a great way of thinking about it and a great way to start the conversation. And look, I'm, I'm really pleased that Sam is so passionate and obviously he was passionate enough to write a book about it, which is, yeah. which is great. Um, it's always good when someone's able to get how they feel, how they express on the paper. It's all part of that process and culture. Um, you know, once again, I, I put the challenge to Sam that we can talk about these things as much as we like, but but how can we change it? How can we make a difference? Yeah. Because, you know, uh, as, as we move into uh, 2021, we need to start to focus on, on how to embed these things, how to actually make these things happen, come to life. Yeah. And, and that's why I put that forward, uh, that challenge to Sam, and I was really pleased that he picked up on that challenge and um, carried through. So, uh, closing comments. Let's, let's make safety suck less. Yeah, let, let's, keep, yeah. let's keep talking about this stuff. Um, let's see how many inventive ways we can use the word suck. <laughs> suck more, suck less, suck less. <laughs> Look, I, well, I haven't checked if, um, if, uh, if our friend actually has a trademark on that. But who, who knows? And um, also I'm looking for a sponsor for someone who wants to launch the Safety Buyer Show. There's certainly got enough biases out there to, to make a show out of that. <laughs> a new podcast series. A new po- and Just another new podcast series. Podcast series, yeah. Hey, look, thanks, thanks, guys, for your feedback and thanks for joining today. And thank you, listeners, for being part of uh, that mini learning team. Thank you, listeners, for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.